you're listening to the Tove Podcast. Welcome to the Tove Podcast. My name is Levi Hazen. I have the privilege of being your host for today, as well as serving as the Executive Director of Life and Messiah International. For over 135 years at Life and Messiah, we've been joyfully proclaiming the good news to Jewish communities all over the globe, as well as helping our Christian friends to understand the Jewish roots of our faith. You can learn more about the work that God is doing through the ministry by visiting us on the web at lifeinmessiah.org. Well, this is an interesting topic for today. It's not necessarily a fun topic to study or to teach on. However, it's an interesting topic, and it is one that we should be familiar with. That study today, I'm calling The Inferno, Eight Observations About Hell. And before we begin, I want to preface today's study on the observations about hell by noting four very important things. Number one, the Bible mentions a couple different places in Scripture, one called the lake of fire and the other called the abyss. Now, these are two separate places in the Bible. The abyss, which is best defined as a temporary holding pit for the lost, demons, and eventually Satan himself, will be thrown into the lake of fire at the end of the Millennial Kingdom. We read about that future event in Revelation chapter 20. Now, for the purposes of today's study, we are combining those two separate places, the abyss and the lake of fire. It's much like Randy Alcorn has done in his popular book on heaven. Mr. Alcorn purposefully combined aspects of the Millennial Kingdom and eternity in new heavens and the new earth, even though he recognizes a distinction between those two places and times. Now, the word hell has come to encapsulate both the lake of fire and the abyss. And we're going to use the word hell to include both of those places today. If you're interested in diving down deep, into the distinctions between the abyss and the lake of fire and the other places mentioned in Scripture, I'd encourage you to check out our episode titled, The Unseen Dead, Where Are They? In that episode, we cover 13 terms the Bible uses for the places of the dead. Our second preface. Today's podcast is not a study on the ethics of punishment or hell. Although that's a good study topic, we will not be addressing the important reality of both God's love and His justice. And our third point by way of preface. Today's episode is not to be considered a recipe for evangelism. A biblical study on the topic of hell does not mean I believe the best way to reach people is to hold up a sign that tells them they're going to hell. That topic lives in the area of ministry philosophy or how ministry should be carried out. And again, that's not the topic or the purpose of this episode. Finally, this topic, like any other biblical topic, should not be avoided because it might create uncomfortable feelings for us or others. This topic should not be avoided because there are a range of opinions on the subject. 
all biblical topics should be studied. That includes topics that churches have split over. It includes topics that we do not have a lot of information about. And it certainly includes topics that are well-researched and talked about frequently. As 2 Timothy 3.16 teaches us, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Biblical topics, including human sexuality, love, sin, and hell, are all topics that God desires we know about. In God's divine goodness and provisions, He included those topics in His infallible Word. Those topics include a range of different subjects, including subjects that are comforting, like love and salvation, but also subjects that sometimes make us uncomfortable, like justice and an eternity apart from God. So, Without further ado, let's begin with our study, titled, Inferno, Eight Observations About Hell. Our first observation comes from Matthew chapter 8. There, in Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 through 13, we read a story about a centurion, that's a Roman soldier, coming up to Jesus. It says this, quote, A centurion came to him, pleading with him, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible agony. I will come and heal him, he told him. Lord, the centurion replied, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be cured. For I too am a man under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Hearing this, Jesus was amazed and said to those following him, I assure you, I have not found anyone in Israel with so great a faith. I tell you that many will come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus told the centurion, Go, as you have believed, let it be done for you. And a servant was cured at that very moment. End quote. Here in Matthew 8, we learn that one characteristic of not being in the kingdom is being thrown out into what is described as outer darkness. Now, as humans who can confine ourselves into a locked room with no windows, we don't have to imagine what darkness is like. Darkness is the complete absence of any light. And living without any light for even just a few days can really mess us up. But Jude tells us this is not a darkness we can experience today. In the book of Jude, we learn that this is a special kind of darkness reserved for hell. In Jude, verses 12 and 13, we read the following. These are the ones who are like dangerous reefs at your love feasts. They feast with you, nurturing only themselves without fear. They're waterless clouds carried along by winds, trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, wild waves of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom the blackness of darkness is reserved forever. End quote. 
we should know that this description of hell, complete blackness, is the exact opposite forecast for the future eternal city of Jerusalem. In Revelation chapter 21, a chapter that we explore in the episode titled 15 Fast Facts About Heaven, we see that the new city of Jerusalem always has light. Verses 23 to 25 say the following, quote, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, because God's glory illuminates it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Each day its gates will never close, because it will never be night there. End quote. This brings us to our second observation about hell. That is this. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This terrible reality is mentioned in several places. First, the Matthew 8 passage we just referenced includes not only the promise of darkness, but this weeping and gnashing of teeth. At the end of the passage in verse 12, it says, quote, But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Again, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 50, we read the following, quote, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a large net thrown into the sea. It collected every kind of fish, and when it was full, they dragged it ashore, sat down, and gathered the good fish into the containers, but threw out the worthless ones. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out, separate the evil people from the righteous, and throw them into the blazing furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. End quote. We read the same phrase, again, while Jesus is telling a parable, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 13 and 14. Here, Jesus is teaching the reality of the future, that we either end up with the king in his kingdom, or outside the kingdom, separated from the king. Matthew 22, 13 and 14, quote, Then the king told the attendants, Tie him up hand and foot, and throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. End quote. And again, Jesus brings up this reality in Matthew chapter 24, verse 51, where again he teaches, He'll cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, it's fairly obvious what weeping is. Weeping is a crying out. It's a sobbing. But have you ever asked yourself, what is the gnashing of teeth? Typically, we gnash our teeth. We bite down with our teeth or grind our teeth. Perhaps if we close our hand in the car door or hit our finger with a hammer. Maybe if we're really angry, we gnash our teeth at someone. That was certainly the case in Acts chapter 8. After Stephen delivers a long message to some local folks, verse 54 tells us the following, quote, When they, the local people to whom Stephen is preaching, heard these things, they were enraged in their hearts and gnashed their teeth at him. End quote. Now, just how angry were these people with Stephen? Well, they were so angry that they not only gnashed their teeth, they murdered him with stones. In fact, what's interesting is that every single time Jesus uses the expression, 
weeping and gnashing of teeth, it has to do with someone coming to the realization that they will not be allowed to enter into the kingdom. Our third observation about hell is that it's a blazing furnace. We see Jesus calling hell a blazing furnace in Matthew chapter 13, verse 50. We'll start at verse 49 since we've already covered this passage. Quote, So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out, separate the evil people from the righteous, and throw them into the blazing furnace. In that place, they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. End quote. This brings us to our fourth observation before we take a commercial break. Our fourth observation is the simple fact that hell is eternal. We see this taught clearly in Matthew chapter 25, verses 37 to 41. Quote, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. End quote. Well, so far, out of our eight observations about hell, we've already covered four. When we come back on the Tove podcast, we'll cover four more observations about hell. We'll be right back. Since 1887, Life in Messiah has helped Christians understand the Jewish roots of our faith and God's ongoing commitment to His people. We teach that anti-Semitism is inconsistent with biblical faith and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which includes her spiritual renewal as well as physical safety. In all we do, our priority is to share the gospel message. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or at lifeinmessiah.org. That's lifeinmessiah.org. Welcome back to the Tove Podcast. We've already covered four observations about hell. Our first observation found in Matthew chapter 8 is that hell is darkness. Indeed, Jude tells us that it is the blackest of darkness. Number two, we saw clearly that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in hell. Number three, we learned that hell is called by Jesus a blazing furnace. In our fourth observation, we learn that hell is eternal. There is no end to hell. This brings us to our fifth observation. That is this. Hell is a bottomless pit. This is actually what the word abyss indicates. Revelation chapter 9 verses 1 through 11 describes this. We're just going to read the first few verses says this, quote, The fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. The key to the shaft of the abyss was given to him. He opened the shaft of the abyss, and smoke came up out of the shaft, like smoke from a great furnace, so that the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the shaft. End quote. Again, you might be wondering, 
how long does this go on? Well, it's actually a good question that has a biblical answer. You see, some belief systems, like some forms of Catholicism or certain sects of Judaism, teach that one can have their sins purged away by spending a certain amount of time in this terrible place. Supposedly, the amount of time spent being purged depends on several factors. These factors and the idea that one can be purged of sins in the afterlife are all extra-biblical, meaning they come from man's uninspired writings, not the authoritative Word of God. The Scriptures clearly teach that a limited amount of time in hell is not even a possibility. In fact, it continues on into our next point, which is the sixth observation, and that's this. It is a torment forever, and there's no rest, day or night. We see this clearly taught in Revelation chapter 14, verses 10 and 11, where it says the following, quote, And a third angel followed them and spoke with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, which is mixed full strength in the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the sight of the holy angels and in the sight of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast in his image or anyone who receives the mark of his name. This now brings us to our seventh observation about the inferno. That is this. It is a lake of fire. We see this in Revelation chapter 19, verse 20, where it says the following, quote, But the beast was taken prisoner, and along with him the false prophet, who had performed the signs in his presence. He deceived those who accepted the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image in these signs. Both of them were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. End quote. Have you ever heard the phrase, Fire and brimstone? Well, brimstone is another name for sulfur. Sulfur is burning brimstone. The word brimstone literally means burning stove. What's so fascinating here is that we have a lake that's on fire. How is that possible? What's providing the fuel for this lake? Well, as you may have guessed, it's likely the sulfur. And did you know that when sulfur burns, it does not create a yellow or red flame, typically? But this is how the lake of fire is commonly depicted. Rather, when sulfur fires have been observed, the flames are typically blue in color. Also, when sulfur burns, it creates sulfur dioxide. Sulfur dioxide is that rotten egg smell emanating at all hours of the day from your local landfill. That odor is present due to the gas, hydrogen sulfide. It's very likely that the lake of fire smells terribly, like rotten eggs, like your local garbage dump. Though not really comparable to the lake of fire, an interesting example of a burning pit is a place in Turkmenistan called the Door to Hell. This pit is a natural gas crater. It's been burning for an unknown amount of time, perhaps more than 50 years. Some scientists believe that the fire will go out 
after all the poisonous gases have burned up. And while the door to hell may eventually burn out, the Bible tells us the lake of fire will never be quenched. In fact, that's our ninth observation. The lake of fire is unquenchable. We see this reality clearly taught in Luke chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. Quote, Now the people were waiting expectantly, and all of them were debating in their minds whether John might be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovels in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chafe he will burn up with a fire that never goes out. End quote. Again, we see that the fires of hell are eternal. They are unquenchable. What is our application from this interesting study about the characteristics of hell? Well, our first application is to be sure that you have secured your eternal future in the kingdom. As we've learned, you don't want to be caught outside. And how do we secure our presence in the kingdom and avoid hell? Well, praise God, there's a way. That's why the gospel message is often referred to as good news. It is good news because we all deserve the horrors of hell that we've been learning about. Our sin is offensive to God, and it creates a separation between us and Him. However, because of God's great love for us, He's made a way for us to be rescued, to be reconciled, to be saved from a terrible eternity of separation from Him. Romans chapter 10, verses 9-12 through 12 teaches us, quote, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Now the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, since the same Lord of all is rich to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. End quote. Our second application is this. Be sure you've done all you can do to help others be reconciled, to be rescued from the eternal consequences of sin. And how do you do that? Well, how about starting with prayer? Are you praying for your friends, family, and even strangers on a regular basis? In addition to prayer, some of us need to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and open our mouths. Good news is meant to be shared. As the Spirit leads, we need to lovingly share this good news with friends, family, and even strangers, regardless of how we think they'll respond. After all, God is glorified when the gospel is shared, regardless of the listener's response. Number three, if you're a believer... Rejoice that God has rescued you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of light. He has literally transferred you from an eternity filled with the blackest darkness to an eternal kingdom of light. That reality should motivate each of us 
to live every day for Him in gratitude, being content with whatever circumstances He has ordained for us in this season. And our final application, if you're not yet a believer in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, first, thanks for listening to the Tove Podcast. I'm glad you're here. My question for you is, are you willing to risk your eternal enjoyment or eternal punishment based on what others outside of the Bible are teaching? If so, the odds are stacked against you. Every prediction that has come to fruition in the Bible has happened exactly as the Bible said it would. Are you hoping that the rest of the Bible is false, even though much of it has already proven to be true? If so, hope is not a good strategy. Would you consider praying and asking God to grant you His free gift of salvation through belief in Yeshua? Even if you do not currently believe, ask God to help you believe. Ask Him for the right faith. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It takes a little bit of chutzpah to listen all the way through the podcast titled Inferno, Eight Observations About Hell. But I'm glad you've made it all the way to the end. Of course, you can find more podcasts at lifeandmessiah.org. Just click on the Tove Podcast tab. Or, if videos are more your thing, search for Life and Messiah on YouTube. There, on our channel, you'll find all kinds of interesting teachings, testimonies, and explanations. At the moment, our digital media team is publishing two videos every week. Until next time, Shalom.